Hey, it's Chris. And this episode, well, I guess this episode was kind of my intervention. I don't know if it worked. I still don't know if it worked, but it made me think at least. Um, This is our second in our trilogy of sort of our intervention episodes. Next week will be Kitty. And we are getting to the tail end of our summer replay series. So our next new episode is coming up. It'll be August 25th is when it'll drop, but we will be recording it on the evening of August 24th. And you should mark your calendar for that because everyone who comes back for our live recordings on Zoom, uh, you can just go to tabletopgametalk.com slash live. If you are in the audience during that recording, somebody at the end of the episode is going to win a $100 gift card. Uh, you have to be there either at the beginning and or the end in order to qualify. So sorry for those who can't, but really, if you just dial in, say hi, that's probably enough to add, have me add you to the spreadsheet. Um, so anyway, again, that's going to be August 24th. Our next episode, that's episode 201. Our live one will be August 25th. Um, but we still have Two more weeks that we have some replay episodes coming for you, and they're they're just as good. I mean, really, everything's great, right? Uh, anyway, that is enough of this. Let's get to the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of Tabletop Game Talk, a show where we talk about tabletop games of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Josh. I'm Chris. And I'm Kitty. Today we're talking about not buying games, or maybe we could title this an intervention for Chris. Maybe. Either way, we'll take a closer look at why you might not want to buy all the news games and the pros and cons of doing so. But first, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Emil Jiljam, George Deere, and Adam Harrison. Also, a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Thank you, Josh. Um, this is our second in our series of, what are we, just, are, are these vices? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about vices. Characteristics. How's that? Habits. Yes, characteristics. Habits, characteristics. Yeah. So, um, it's the new year, so I think it's for part of the new year, we should probably just do a brief about ourselves, which is where these topics sort of came from. A little more organic than that, but... Um, I'm Chris. I'm I buy too many games, and so today's my show. Oh yeah, I'm Josh, and I am the analysis paralysis or AP player. Take a little bit too long to, with my uh, turns while playing games. Wait, so how does Kitty introduce herself? I'm Kitty, and I'm a table flipper. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm owning Kitty, it like a badge I'm, of honor, and I'm an angry gamer, <laughs> which is not entirely true. No. But it, it, it will, has been. It, it has been. It will be next week. Um, so yeah, so this is buying games and or not buying games more specifically. Look, you can't even get it right to begin with. I know. Not <laughs> buying games. Just re- you've got to repeat it as a mantra, Chris. Yeah. The irony is I'm about to go into the Kickstarter that I backed this week. So, yep. but first. Well, clearly you have a problem. Um, if you're going to Gen Con, Gen Con registration is open as of now. They sold out last year. So if you want in, I recommend getting a badge early. Um, we will have badges. We will likely be there. Kitty will have a eight month old baby. So we'll see how that actually plays out. Um, Josh might have an eclipse. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> they don't happen all the time. <laughs> I'm just saying. I might have something that's different, though. Um, and if you want to get housing for Gen Con, the housing portal opens on February 11th. Uh, you do have to have a badge before you can do that. It's a lottery system, so you enter the lottery and then you get 
ranked. So that's for Gen Con. We will talk more about what we're doing at Gen Con as we get closer, but it's breaking news. So I figured I'd let you guys know. Um, also, Capricorn is a science fiction um, literature-ish convention that's happening in Wheeling, Illinois, which is a northwest suburb of Chicago. We, well, at least I will be there on the 15th through the 18th. Um, Josh, I think you said you're out of town. I think I'm in Iceland. I need to double check the dates again. All right. Um, and Kitty might make a cameo too with we'll a two week old baby at that point. <laughs> potentially um so but in any case uh if you're interested in playing a game with me i'll be there probably friday saturday sunday so shoot me an email and we will get together our current contest is kingdom death monsters if this is the first time you're listening we give away something pretty much every single month um entering is easy you have to a live in the continental u.s because shipping outside of that is incredibly expensive um if you're in canada and want to help cover shipping i can i'll make an exception but kingdom death monsters is a pretty hefty game so if you do live in the continental u.s um shoot us an email at tabletopgametalk.com that's not right tabletopgametalk at gmail.com there you go (laughs) with the subject january giveaway and if you include a show topic for this contest only, but if you include a show topic that we can use um, and we eventually end up using it, then you will win a t-shirt. Um, if there's multiple people entering the same topic, then I will randomly pick, but I'll give you verbal credit for all of them. Um, surprisingly, we have not gotten many duplicates. Every once yeah. in a while, there's a couple like, you know, deck building games or something like that that are duplicates, but um, we tend to do topics that are a little bit more in depth. Um We'll probably end up doing another de- deck building game episode, though. <laughs> Speaking of Kickstarters, my Kickstarter this week, and I'm just, bowing to just, just one? do one. There's, I put two okay. down here. I was going to say, it looks like it keeps going. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, Everdell, it's a beautiful board game of cards and critters. So their description is, grow your settlement in a charming world of lively forest critters in this elegant worker placement slash tableau building board game. Um, it also plays in like 20 minutes per person and it has a solo mode. So like all these things seemed really what cool. Is, what does tableau building board game mean? Um, so tableau is sort of like your thing, what you, what you have in front of you. So, mm. um, as you build up different actions and things you can put in front of you, so it gives you more options. Um, scythe oh. is kind of tableau building because okay. you're taking from a, you know, not great actions and you're making them better over time. You're making your tableau better. Um, blood rage kind of has it where you can put the cards in your slots yep. on your right. board. Yeah. Makes sense. So yeah. So tableau is basically just what's in front of you as it changes. Um, it can be used in a lot of generic ways, but that's why I'm going to use it right now. Cool. Um, this one is another anamorph anamorphous game. Uh, anamorphs are people who turn into animals. Oh. Anthropomorphized is yeah. animals that's, that look like people. <laughs> that's the word I was looking for. Say it again. Anthropomorphized. Anthropomorphized. <laughs> there you perfect. All right. You got it, Chris. Excellent. Well, you run around and you're like little animals. Critters. Cute yeah. little critters. The yard actually is really, really good. Um, yeah, I say actually. I don't mean it in a, oh my god, I would never believe it to be. I, I'm stunned at this, actually. I just say actually. I get yelled at at work because like I said, that's actually a good idea. It's like, what? You didn't think I could have a good idea? I'm like, no, but it is a good idea. So I got yelled at. 
Anyway. Fair enough. Um, but back to the Kickstarter. Um, the base is $49. The collector's edition is $65. I'm not sure that you actually need to get the collector's edition because part of all the stretch goals is it just keeps upgrading the components in the base edition to the components that you're going to get in the collector's edition. Um, the collector's well, edition. You, do, you get the guarantee. You do get the guarantee. They're going to hit their all their stretch goals. Um, there is like a mini expansion in the collector's edition and I think metal coins. Um, m- one of the things that I thought was funny, they could say unique resources um, because they have twigs and resin and pebbles and berries, which basically are just stand-ins for wood and I don't know what resin is and stone and food, but they're unique because they're for critters. So they're much smaller resources. I don't know. Sounds like they're resin doesn't it. really kind it, of, it does, it's like maybe gems or crystals I or guess, something. Yeah. Well, Some yeah, sort of like it's a hardened like resin. Where, yeah, where tree sap has turned into stone. Yeah, I guess you could use it to build things like glue. Dinosaurs, if there's a mosquito in there with some dinosaur yeah. blood. Maybe there's, Dino I don't think there's DNA. dinosaurs in this. Um, <laughs> Life, uh, so <laughs> I backed this one before Aaron. So Aaron Wan sent me a, a Kickstarter uh, recommendation, and I backed the other one before I did this one. And I'm really, really trying to just do one a week because <laughs> two to three a week, I'm getting so many Kickstarters delivered now. Um, but he, uh, I wanted to call this out because it actually does look pretty cool. It's the Tokyo, Tokyo series of games. Um, there's a link in the show notes for it. Uh, this is a new series of 12 games from Jordan Draper. I don't know who that is, but he's um, also bringing in various guest designers, all based on real-world situations of the beautiful and overlooked life of Tokyo, Japan. Some of the examples, well, the one that I looked at was, you are a soda vendor and you have to fill vending machines. Like, that's part of the game. Um, It claims that you can play them, like, sequentially, or you can mix and match them and add all the scores together. Or you can, like, um, put two. It says says you can mix, like, two together and make, like, a bigger game. So, it's a really interesting concept. The art is um, very... I, it's it's very line art but colorful um there's plastic 3d pieces and things like that like little soda bottles and soda crates and stuff so this one looks interesting i may back it for next week um we'll have to see what else comes up so all right we have a ton of feedback so let's get into that we do and let's get some feedback about past episodes and if you have feedback about this or any of our previous episodes email us or go to our board game geek forums easily found at tabletopgametalk.com slash BGG. The first one is from Terence. He says, thank you so much for sharing what you had become an important and sensitive issue for your gaming group. He's talking about last week's episode on analysis paralysis. Uh, And by addressing it, I think you can help other gamers and game group address this subject in a more productive way. One of the best points you made was that the three of you were not on the same page at the beginning of the game. It sounds like you will do a much better job of managing expectations in the future. And it's great that you are also considering game selection to make a better choice in games for all of you. Yeah, so we had a lot of feedback on last week's episode. So um, we're just going to keep going. We're just going to keep going. All right, so from Aaron, it's nice to hear that you guys are able to reflect on and take a step back from the table and observe the situation in a way like that. It is a social hobby, and it's nice to see people being social about it. Yeah, I liked it. So from Aaron Snow, he says, Hello, Aaron from Blood Rage fame. Now he's talking about the fact that me and Chris played Blood Rage with him at Evercon last weekend. That's true. Which is great. Uh, Sharon and I really appreciate you guys bringing games in and taking the time to teach us at Evercon. 
Josh, you did just fine teaching FYI. Just ordered Charterstone, as we've wanted to play that for a while, but Blood Rage is next on the list. Good job, you sold it well. I enjoyed the last episode. Good discussion of different playstyles. I think the thing that made the most sense to me was to be upfront at the beginning of the game in what your goals are. He has an example in the thread, um, so you can go on Borg and you can check that out, and then asks, do you think people that are AP players are that way because that's how they are in their non-board game lives? Or do you think it is shaped by the types of games they play or who they play them with? I mean, for my part, I can definitely say I am a maximizer in life in general. Um, But I think games amplify that on a number of different levels, be it complicated rule sets or lots of different decisions. Yeah, and I am the probably the opposite of an AP player, unless I'm really trying. And that comes through in life as well. And it drives Sydney nuts because I like I don't care about money or uh, spreadsheets or it's like yeah whatever there's more of that you don't reflect and look back you're very much like forward thinking and driven you just like make decisions and move forward and you don't really like think about what you know you know mulling over was that a good idea bad idea I don't know yeah. you're just like whatever yeah. it's all good it. yep whatever I should buy three more kickstarters <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think I, I kind of strike the balance both in life and in play where I try to make a plan and execute the plan, but I'm also not very big on looking back. So I think I, I take a little bit more time than Chris at, you know, my like initial organization, but that I'm also not as much of a, like, it's going to kill me in hindsight is yeah. you kind of get. I definitely am yeah. like that. Yeah. All right. So on to um, another email on our AP episode from Sam. It was a great episode, very cathartic. It was like listening to marriage counseling for a gaming group. (laughs) I totally enjoyed it because it made me think of how to appreciate the different wants and expectations of different gamers. So some questions for Josh. So here we go, Josh. Do you find that knowing the rules decreases the time needed for move optimization, or do you start taking more time because you start seeing more opportunities? I know I had that problem with the latter when it came to Race for the Galaxy. I definitely think it's possible that knowing some rules in a game could then make it take longer. It would have to be a very abstract game, a game like Homeworlds or Chess. But I think on the most part, knowing the rules helps me speed up. Do you tend to think a lot about games after the game is play after gameplay is over and do a post-game analysis you know that one i actually don't do as much and maybe it's because we're in such a kick um of playing new games all the time that i kind of feel like well i'm probably not going to play this game again because it's one of chris's games and we're just going to bring out a new game next time so at the moment no but who knows if i get my own dedicated gaming group then maybe Mm -hmm. All right. And he adds, if I may comment on the use of a timer, I think that it may be a bad idea because it could take what is a mental process of move optimization and turn it into actual analysis paralysis, by which I mean the pressure of being under a time limit could halt the decision making process for any choice. I say this from experience working with working in an educational setting and seeing how pressure affects different people in different ways. Completely would agree with that one. I mean, I was actually at um, a company Christmas party and it was like really crowded bar. Lots of people like vying for the attention of the bartender gets to me and I have like four orders memorized. And I'm like this, this, this and this. And she goes, no, we're out of that. Pick something else. And I just was like, ah, she's like, quick, quick, quick. Cause there's all these other people crowded around and I couldn't. And she went, nope. And just like walked away. And I was like, no i waited for so long and it just really i couldn't pick anything because it was so such a 
you got to pick right now. So I, I, I agree with that. It, it might lead to that problem. So back to the first question. Yes, in real life, you still have this issue. Yes. I think I might have had that issue. Although I have like such order anxiety that I usually have a backup ready because I'm that crazy <laughs> about like... <laughs> I, I know that it takes me a while to make decisions in that. Situation. Well, you know, actually, the other thing was it wasn't for me as oh, well. Yeah, and that's so, harder. yeah, because then I have to, I'm like, wait, what does that person like? Oh, I like going through your memory as well. So it wasn't just like, oh, I'll drink anything. It doesn't matter. I think in that situation, if it was my drink, I just would have been like, yeah, just give me some beer or something. Mm-hmm. But it was for someone else. So, so for me, and this is the kind of the way I do it in game two, this, the choice I would make would be something I would like. And then oh, I would yeah. order. So, but it'd be different than the thing I would order for myself. Right. So either way I would drink either. And then I have two options to give to the person that isn't getting what they wanted. And I'm just like, yeah, that'll work. I like that. I'll try and employ that <laughs> next time. I'm in that very order- specific situation. <laughs> How to order drinks at the bar when something goes out. <laughs> All right. Um, so on to an email from Steven Seitz on 2017. 2017 was my first year in this great new hobby, and I have you guys to thank. A friend at work and I were talking, and he brought up a hobby board game called Terra Mystica, which I hadn't heard of before. We got together after work with another friend and played it. Since then, I have been hooked. I started looking up podcasts for tabletop games, and yours being Tabletop Game Talk, it popped up, and that is how I found you all and the story of how I became a Patreon member. And will always continue to be. Aw, thanks. Aww. That's great. I have since listened to and subscribed to many podcasts, which do reviews, talk about specific games, which I do enjoy because I do like buying and playing the new hotness. Yours stands alone as you all have a different experience in the hobby and cover topics, not games. So I was lucky to have found you you all first. And I try to get you all out there with shares and retweets on Twitter every week. What a legend. Yeah. yeah, Steven does a great job. Like, he's, re- he's retweeting things all the time, sharing things. Um, and you know something? Our intro is, like, talk about tabletop games of all types. And we do, but we both we do it in a topical way. I may have to rewrite the intro just a little bit. Just a touch. Okay. It's been, like, 70, well, not 74, but maybe 72 episodes that we've had that intro. But I think it needs to be clarified. Hey, I'm always up for tweaks if they make it better. So, Stephen, if I change this, and that just depends on whether or not I remember next week, um, it'll be all your fault. So, he continues. So, being newer, Cult of the New, I have played a lot of games in 2017, and here are the ones I loved. Um, Ethnos, Great Western Trail, Yokohama. Chris, you have to play this one. If you haven't, by Origins, I would love to teach it to you. Deal. Um, Rajas and... Rajas of the Ganges and Lisbola. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, those Lisboa? last two I've not heard either. So, Stephen, if you uh, bring them to Origins, maybe we'll get a couple games in. Um, we skipped it, Justin Weber, Josh. Oh, goodness. I do apologize. Nah, he's quick. Well, uh, Justin Weber, I am known as the AP Prime player in the group. I don't feel it is totally deserved, but after your last episode, I decided to alter my play for new games. I played Concordia for the first time this weekend with a couple of experienced players. I finished last, but was very much in the game. Um, During the game, I took quick turns while focusing on learning the mechanics. As a result, one of the experienced players became the AP guy, and I was able to give him a hard time. See, there's a benefit. (laughs) 
<laughs> there is. I don't know. I'm still on the fence. <laughs> I'm still fighting my corner. You can always tease the uh, slowest player. Let's see. Oh, Stephen won. Actually, uh, Stephen Sites won our uh, big box, the Home Depot box of games. Um, one of them. And he's wants to write reviews for them. So as he's playing them, he's been writing reviews and he sent me in one of those reviews. Now the review's a little longer and we're running out of time. So I'm putting the entire review and Stephen, any reviews you send me in the future, I'm putting them in the show notes. So if you want like a hidden review, secret review in the show notes, just look at the details on wherever you got this podcast and you will see his reviews there. Um, I think he's the one that's in there right now is the fuse uh, review. Um, also, Aaron Wan sent us one on 2017. Cytosis was a real sleeper hit for him. It's like Lords of Waterdeep with uh, with a cooler uh, pieces and the cooler theme. On, it's like educational themed. I'm going to have to take a look at this one because I really like Lords of Waterdeep. And if it's cooler, I know I'm going to like it. Um, also, I asked Joe last week to tell me about his Charterstone if you know, that it's, it's a good after game 12. And this is his response. I'm, this is heavily edited. This is on the BGG thread though. If you want to see the, uh, non-edited version, it's not really spoilery, but I didn't want to risk it. So he says, we played our first post campaign game of Charterstone. I played with my three oldest daughters, one of them who played the campaign. Um, it took a while to remember all the rules and to print out all of the benefits of all the buildings. Um, but overall, I think it would be fun for a group that played it. Um, so essentially what Charterstone is, is a worker placement resource management game and the board builds up as you play through the campaign. So I see what he's saying here where it's like all of a sudden you have this huge board of all these different options that you can do. And if you didn't play through the campaign, which strategies to take could be like, like numbing of just well, yeah, of it would choices. be like playing pandemic legacy with the month 12 rules without having played. Exactly. So, and Sydney and I also finished Charterstone. Um, I will say that the game, um, again, this is not really spoilery. The story ends in 12 um, scenarios, but the game can continue to be played for as long as you want. Um, there's a few tweaks to certain things that only happen during the campaign um, or that you may run out of while playing the game multiple times, but it really does just keep playing. So it's a legacy game with stickers and destroying things and all of that, but there's really no end in the playing the game. All right. We are going to have a fun topic here, so why don't we just segue into that right now? In this episode, we're talking about not buying games. This started out as a public comment by a Board Game Geek user, Witek Wasilowski. better than I did. (laughs) I think that's right. The link to the original thread is in the show notes, but here is how it starts. Three years ago, I caught myself spending more time planning my game purchases, reading reviews, browsing for new great games to buy than actually playing them. With two small kids, my playtime is limited, but my appetite was not. This was true for both board games and computer games. I was thinking... That's what I need. That will make my collection complete. I was buying compulsively and trading away after one to two plays as an unfulfilled promise. That's how the idea for the public commitment was born. If you commit to something publicly, there is a much better chance you will not weasel out of it. And so I committed to not buying games in 2015 with 50 others. Then in 2016... And then in 2017, there are 103 of us. So that's pretty impressive just in general. Also, it's impressive that these are all board game geek 
members vowing not to buy games, where you go for all the temptations of buying games. Yeah, and they're the hard hardest core people, I guess, who are who are like frequenting Board Game yeah. Geek on a on a regular basis. It's like a Weight Watchers group meeting at a buffet. Like that's how I see this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like just this temptation everywhere. Right. Um all right, he continues. I keep committing because I see it is good for me. I regain tons of time I spent browsing through online stores, review sites, yep, also PGG, and YouTube reviews looking for diamonds. I tried to make good use of that time, be a better father, read more, exercise. I lost over 25 kg and ran a marathon, 348, yay. (laughs) But mostly, I learned to pause and think if I really needed that next game or anything else, silencing that voice in my head, whispering, bye, bye, bye. I'm thinking more about the planet and I'm uh, that I'm leaving to my children. Of course, I stumble and fail, but that's where the public part of the commitment jumps in. I try to log my adventures with not buying, and it works. When I impulse bought a game and was writing writing an excuse, I realized I can still give it back, and I did. All right, so I'm thinking more about the planet that I'm leaving to my children. Yep. But what about the game collection you're not leaving to your children? Look, this is just the voice of an addict right now. We can't listen to Chris at this moment. I mean, no, these are all good reasons, but I, I see your point. All right. Well, he, he has tactics here, so he right, has. keep well, going. These are my motivations, but everyone has his own. When you look at last year's commitment geek list, you will see there are people who want to save money to renovate their house, enjoy their already big collections, or just travel more lightly through life. I've made a few rules I plan to stick to. They are pretty simple. One. I will not buy or back a board, computer, mobile, or role-playing game. Two, I can, but only if they wish to, give games to my wife and daughters. Three, I can trade games. I participate in math trade two or three times a year, trading maybe two games each time. Four, I can get games as presents for birthday and Christmas. All right. So, and he continues a little bit. Um, if you think not buying games is for you, um, visit the thread. There's, it's basically a support group, uh, there. Um, it's also not for everyone. Some people just really like buying games. Me. Chris. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I think this one, when I read this thread, it really did hit a lot of, um, things for me because I buy a ton of games. Like it's just, I, I get bored. I'll go to the game store and I won't leave the game store until I see like two or three games I want and walk out. Um, I also have this compulsion. This is probably a shopping issue where I can't just buy one thing at a store. I have to buy, I have to be worth my time to go stand in line. So I that's need to have crazy. more than one thing. <laughs> wow. But that's really good that you're being open about it. Yeah. Cause there's definitely like psychological aspects to this. Cause like, you know, you've described yourself as like a kind of collector must have them all before. Like, I wonder where all these things come from. Like, you know, with me, with the AP thing, there's probably a reason why I do it. I don't quite know. I mean, have you thought about it that much? I've always had that collector mentality. It's why I uh-huh. stopped playing Magic. So I started playing Magic really early. And I, I still have like a full set of all the dual lands, like a full play set of all the dual lands in min- gem mint condition. Like these cards are worth crazy amounts of money. In fact, most people would assume they're fake. They're like in that good a quality. Um, and I'm just like, well, I, I have this collection. I'm just going to keep it, even though I should sell it because it's like $4,000. And when is the last time you pulled it out, looked at it? 
Every like once it. in a while, I get a little panic attack. Where it's like, oh, where are those cards? Um, I need to track those. Because <laughs> I don't take care of them. I just throw them on the shelf with everything else. Um, they're in a box, sleeved. So they're definitely not getting damaged. I just don't really pay attention to Right. Did I at. leave them when I moved house somewhere? And right. right. Which boxes I pack them in and that type of thing. But like, what? Like, I don't even understand the mentality of like wanting to have it all. I mean, I know that there's people like you out there, but like... What is it? Like, why do you want all of said thing? I think it's, honestly, I don't really know I can explain it. But it's like the Kickstarter thing, right? So when I'm backing something on Kickstarter, I can't just back the base thing. I need to get the deluxe. And then, oh, there's 43 add-ons? Sure, I'll get all those. (laughs) And before you know it, I spent $500 on Massive Darkness. Like, if I... That's the is that kind possible? You can spend $500 on Massive Darkness? Yeah, with all of the add-ons. And I, I did buy the base game twice because I knew we were giving one away, but right. I'm pretty sure my end pledge, pledge was that. Now, I did not do that with Kingdom Death Monsters. Kingdom Death Monsters, I just got the base because that was $250 by itself. And then if you wanted to, I think you could have gone up to like $2,000 on oh, wow. like just buying the game there. That one set my, like, it's like, nope. Not going to play this $2,000 worth. <laughs> not not going to happen. Well, it's good to know that you have a limit. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like I say, I, if you've been listening, the reason I'm giving away Kingdom Death Monsters is because I opened it up and I realized I had to assemble all the pieces and I closed the box back and I said, this will make a great giveaway. Like, <laughs> yeah. so even that kind of thing is tricky, but I f- just feel like if it's out there, I want it. Right. And and I'll collect it, and then I just won't use it. You know, yeah. um, Arcadia Quest has all the different figures, and I went and I tracked down all the figures, so I have them all. And then I'm like, but I don't want to open them because they're unique and they're all their little collectible things, right? But that's not necessarily what I got them for. I didn't get them to hang them on a wall. I got right. them to play with. I just don't want to open the box. So then I'll I get two of them. So one that I can open and one that it doesn't open because yeah. I have it also in my head that, oh, maybe I'll just sell them at some point and I never do that either. <laughs> wow, I really have a problem. Well, yeah, but this is great <laughs> because, because you're not alone. Like, you know, there's tons of like, it's a very gamery thing to do. Like, you're not the only one who does this. Like, I'm sure there's tons of people in the community, people listening right now who who do the same sorts of things. Like, it's human nature on some level. It's just like some of us do it to more and less degree, you know. So it's it's interesting on that level. So do you find that you play all the games you buy? No. And that's the biggest problem I have. So I now have a stack of games. And so we moved into a new house. We have built-in bookcases, which is where all the games are supposed to go. I also have... So we filled up those shelves right away. And then we have boxes downstairs, which have games that I won't necessarily play. A lot of old role-playing game books and stuff that don't necessarily need to go on the shelves. But now I'm starting to get the stacks of games again, because I've been getting all the Kickstarters in. And every time I go to a convention, I have to come back with a couple games. And I don't... I'm not able to get through them as fast as I get them. Yeah. Now, even if I could... Because he mentions, you know, he plays one or two times and then trades them away i can't trade them away like i i again i well so if i give somebody a game i just want to give them that game right you know steven for example like i gave away two moving boxes of games and those were just i just take them have them i don't want anything back because if i did that just gives me more games i have to worry about um and also i have this thing where if it's not in the shrink wrap then i didn't want it Right. But which is another problem, right? I have to buy the new car. I can't buy the one that's two years old, even though that would save you a ton of money. So have you oh. ever done reselling at your local gaming store? 
I thought about it once. I have a problem with like selling things on eBay and you know, so I have a bunch of stuff that I should just, I'm not a hoarder. Right. Like I'll give stuff away. Yeah. yeah. It's just the hassle of selling it is not something I want to deal with. So I've often offered my friends, it's like, look, I have this old iPad and an iPhone. If you want to put it on eBay, I'll take 20%. Um, right. And I've done that before yeah. for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had a friend, I gave him like, um, like three years worth of magic cards that I collected like every game or every card from those three years and he's like you have all these cards they're like there's there's worth a ton i'm like well if you want to sell them i'll you just you take half the profits and give me the other half and i trust you this is great when when i find myself unemployed again i know exactly <laughs> what i'm gonna do <laughs> i'm gonna help chris out Seriously. this was one of the guys we played uh pathfinder with and he would just like come every few weeks with a check for chris it was hilarious yep. that's so funny he's like here's another 150 dollars i'm like what's this for it's like oh i sold more cards i'm like oh okay <laughs> so i probably he probably gave me like a thousand dollars over a span of a year of just that's magic great. cards he was selling right so i'm like you deal with it that's fine yeah i guess your time is precious and you're just thinking well you know, the amount of time and effort it's going to take me to actually sell all of this stuff that I've accumulated is just not worth it. So if someone else helps me and they take a cut, then I'm fine with that. I think it's just easier to buy things than it is to sell things. Like That's true. The I don't know that it is. <laughs> I think it's just more exciting to buy things. Yes. Yeah. But you get like that rush, like that shopaholics, like, yeah, mm-hmm. like I'm getting a new thing, especially with Kickstarter. I think you can totally get like caught up in the i'm gonna be the first to have it or only because it might not go to retail yeah if i don't want to miss out then i need to get on it right now like that kind of thing it can really be very exciting it's kind of a thrill when i tell myself that like on kickstarter like cool mini or not you know the kickstarter promos those are really hard to get so they go on ebay for a good price and i tell myself when i buy them like oh these are going to be worth something so i can sell them and then i never sell them yeah because i'm just like eh, that's a lot of work but i have lots of friends who are the opposite right they love getting money they love selling things and i got you know twenty dollars for that old nightstand that i had you know um sydney uses let go a lot and like it's an app where you just take a picture and you put it up there and people contact you and take stuff and i'm like "Eh, i could do that but that involves work and dealing with strangers that give you money i just don't know right (laughs) so now i think that i just need to start taking boxes of games out of your house and i will ebay them and send you you a check you should do that you honestly that would really help you out (laughs) yeah honestly i could bring every time i come down here i could bring like a box of things saying okay here's some old apple stuff and here's you know this or that or whatever just you sell it we'll split it 50 50 I've got time for that now. <laughs> well, you're after you give birth, let me know again. Because I hear that that part sucks. I mean, I, I hear like the, the first six weeks, yeah. you're just like, forget it. But you know, yeah. like, I've got a basement. I can hold on to this stuff for a little while. Don't, uh, Spencer doesn't listen. Who am I kidding? <laughs> Don't let Spencer Don't hear that. Spencer. <laughs> he keeps trying to get, like, get stuff out of the basement. No. He just, <laughs> not, not Damn it, he hurt. Uh, so again, if you're new, Spencer's having a baby. Spencer's well, he is technically he is. having a baby. Yep. Kitty's going to do all the work. Yep. Kitty's doing all the work. Yes. <laughs> so it's going to be, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. But afterward, we'll see. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I'm thinking like the problem we have with your, you know, 
addiction we'll call it or whatever we want to call it it's a bit hard <laughs> to call disorder. it an addiction well i mean it it's not to the levels where like because i actually did text sydney and was like look we're holding an intervention and i've looked it up and you know you should get input from people that impact uh so sydney is sydney is chris's uh significant other wife in fact um and she did send me i she was like well you know i probably shouldn't weigh in like you know behind his back but she did put some <laughs> things in here yeah, a little bit yeah because I, I i pushed her to and uh, she was like, big picture, there are other ways to spend money. So, um, you know, the space to keep the games is limited. Um, there's also disagreements um, from social pressure to replay an older game um, versus Chris wanting to play a new game. Legacy games are a good alternative uh, for m- multiple fun plays. So, you know, we've been playing Pandemic Legacy, but also Chris and Sydney have been playing Charterstone um, that are very legacy-based. Uh, also, the guilt of leaving a sad little game unopened on the shelf forever. Um, alphering your friends into succumbing to your games, not theirs getting played. I brought two games here, which were just little games, little box games that I have not opened. Because I'm like, ah, we'll get in the game after the podcast or before the podcast and we'll just something little. Mostly because I'm like, oh, this is a small game that's never going to get opened unless I just take it someplace. Yeah. Well, you're trying. That's good. I mean, she says, yeah, he ascribes to all of these at varying levels, but he's unfortunately amazing at mitigating them too. <laughs> but yeah. I think that's your real problem is that you're like so smart. You can talk yourself into thinking anything is a good idea. I'm very convincing. He does do that. <laughs> he that's does very it. true. That it's is very so, a thing like, that he does. He's really good at justifying. Yes. Well, I'm trying to justify whether or not I actually have an issue. Um, so here's the other thing. Speaking of justifying... So I'm reading this thread and I'm like, oh, this seems like a good idea. This seems like something that could, you know, free up some time, you know, free up some money. Um, it's just like, I, I think this is a great idea. Oh, but wait, I have this podcast, so I have to keep buying games. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. And that was the other thing I was going to say. Like, it's it's like, you know, with, with other people's like, quote unquote addictions, like, you know, oh, you're just throwing money down the drain like there's no point to this like if it's a substance or something but like, this is like you play with your friends and you have a podcast where you talk about new games that you bought so it's like really hard to like say well you should stop doing this which is why i'm giving you like the benefit of like if you cycle games out it's not too much of an issue it's like when your house becomes literally made out of board games that which almost happened at, at one point it until, did. He, until <laughs> and he moved there was a and got rid of a big <laughs> Right before Origins, we took maybe what, like forty games with us. Easily. We had over fifty. We had over fifty for over the, fifty games. It was Gen Con giveaway, right? It was at Origins. Was it? Yes. All right, I, I confused those, but yeah, we gave away a ton of games. Yes. Um, so and then I came back with twenty new ones. You still came back with less than you <laughs> went with. Um, I also came back from Origins with quite a few <laughs> games. So I like that's the other thing is I feel like I can't come from a place of too much judgment because I'm also a game purchaser. <laughs> um, yeah, but you're not in Chris's league. I no. mean, you know, you do buy games, but not to his level. Um, I always find myself like questioning how I choose games. I still have no idea how I pick out what games I'm going to buy. If it has cool fantasy art or cool sci-fi art or... Those are the two big ones, and those are the ones that tend to be the most expensive games as well. Um, they also tend to be the most involved. Like something like um, Pandemic, I avoided Pandemic for the longest time because the theme just didn't interest me. I didn't really play Pandemic for real until we did Pandemic Legacy. And then I'm like, oh, we should play Pandemic once or twice, you know, just to kind of get the gist of it. I'd played it, but I just never really, like, it didn't draw my attention. Um 
But yeah, I am a sucker for like the miniatures and the components. And if it looks pretty and if the box is heavy and all that stuff. Uh, Do you ever find yourself getting caught buying a lot of games because you like the art and you didn't look into the gameplay very much and you don't actually like the gameplay at all? Yeah. So I run into that fairly often. So what I've been doing um, over the holiday break, actually, I said, okay, I have a ton of games. I'm going to just start playing these. And a lot of them nowadays have like single player um, modes to the game. Um, They may not be the same game exactly, but it's close enough to kind of get a feel for it. Uh, Massive Darkness, we'll bring that one up again, because I have all of the pieces for it. Uh, One of my complaints with Massive Darkness is the game itself, it looks great. Um, Like I have all the 3D pieces and all all the stuff. It looks great. Um, And the campaign, there's a campaign mode to it. Um, But really the campaign mode is just a slowed down single scenario game. Because in a single scenario, you can level up. And in the campaign mode, you just level up five times slower. So I'm like, okay, well, that's not that great of a campaign mode. Especially since the scenarios don't, they don't link to each other. Like they're just, you play different scenarios. Like, uh, there's no real story continuity here. Um, You have all these miniatures, but the miniatures just are basically hit points. So I'm like, huh, this game looks great. It's not bad, but it's super overkill for what it is. So now I have, like, literally this game takes up three shelves of space. And it's not worth that much space. See, this is the other problem with it being board games. The thing that you're kind of collecting and buying is that, you know, you're finding these things out once you receive them and open the rule book and look at the pieces and stuff. Like, if you can find a way, and, and I'm sure there are ways to mitigate that, right? You just wait I, until it's not the newness anymore and then find out the rules and I stuff. I could actually watch reviews and right. watch it played and do the research before I buy the game. Yeah. Well, then you get to Kickstarter. Yeah. And a lot of the Kickstarter <laughs> games, you... You can't do that if you're backing it on Kickstarter. You're going to have to wait until it is either published or you might have missed it. You might have to buy a used copy no. if you want it. <laughs> oh, there, there he goes. He's like, and no, I, think that's I where, won't do it. That's where you're going to draw your line is you're not going to stop getting the new hotness, backing yeah. the new hotness on Kickstarter. Well, and I've mentioned... And those are risks. Yeah. And I've mentioned this before where, like, so Kickstarter is, like, typically I back probably two or three Kickstarters a week, um, especially since the podcast started. I think my total backed projects on Kickstarters are, like, 160 or something like that. That's a lot of Kickstarters. Oh, yeah. And, like, a little, about a year and a half. Um so those ones I'm like, all right, I'm going to do more due diligence on before I back this. Um, so the one I backed today, that one, I watched the gameplay video. I watched the intro. I'm like, okay, what does this include? What type of gameplay is it? Um, the Everdell. And the idea that it was like a one to four player, having a single player mode and actually being willing to sit down and play the single player mode, that's important to me. Um, because then I can play it even if, you know, Sydney's studying for the CPA, I can go and start learn how to play this game and then teach it later. Um, so that one, I'm like, all right, yeah, I can justify this one. It's And it's $65. I don't need the collector's version, but I can't quit cold turkey. I mean, come on. So, um, but I need to start doing that with other games as well, except for 
I want to play the game so I can have my own opinion on them and not just take up someone else's opinion because I have this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but if you, like with, with the Martian one, what was it called again? First Martian. First Martian. First Martian. You literally read the rule book and was like, nah, this is not a good game. I'm not going to enjoy this. And there must be uh, tons of other games where that's true. We're going to get a review and he's going to tell us why it's a good game. Okay. <laughs> First Martian, though, so First Martian was uh, based off of a system, uh, Lewis and Clark, I think. Uh, You're looking at us like we know yeah. the answer. Yeah, it was really another don't. game. It basically, it's rethemed for Mars yeah. and some other stuff. And it was by Ignacy Trevichak. It was Portal Games, and it looked really cool, like, component-wise. Nobody really knew what the gameplay was all that much. So that was one where... If you wanted it early, you had to pre-order it. So I ended up pre-ordering it. Right. And then once I got it, I'm just like, this is not... It's another one where the game itself is not terrible. Right. If the setup was five minutes long. Okay. Yeah. You know, if it, it has an app that goes with it, but the app really doesn't do much besides kind of confuse you. Um, they may have updated it. Like I said, I haven't played it in the last couple of months and I'm fully willing to be corrected on this uh but it just took so long to set up and so long to do the board side of the turn that by the time you got to your turn it was like boom boom and then you waited for the board again it's like the board had ap Mm. (laughs) (laughs) so taking a step back here and being a bit more meta like what's your motivation for stopping or or at least uh, curtailing it somewhat and sort of do you have a plan so what I'm thinking I can, because, all right, so back to the original post, which was make right. your own rules, right? Okay. So, so let's commit Chris to these rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you guys are killing me. Um, all right. Well, I think one rule that I think I can stick to is one Kickstarter a week, mm-hmm. yeah. which which sounds crazy. Like it for does. most people, it'd be like one Kickstarter no, a week. No, I'll get podcast. Yeah. We have to see what's coming out. Yep. So one Kickstarter a week, which means I need to be pickier about what, I'm kickstarting, right? So I have to take a look. It's like, what games am I really going to like? What games fill a niche that I don't currently have a game that fills? You know, who am I going to play this game with? Like, what is that, the pros for that? So I think that one I'm going to stick to. It's one Kickstarter a week. Okay. So it'll be Chris's Kickstarter pick of the week. And I don't, these aren't for advertising purposes or anything like that. It's like I, all the Kickstarters I put up here, I tell you, I backed this. This is what I did. Um, I'll tell you, you if do I didn't. Also, give recommendations yeah. sometimes. Of, every once in a yeah. while, yeah. Every once in a while, you like a listener will tell me about something, and it won't be something that I'm overly interested in, but I'll let people know. But I always tell you, it's like this isn't one I backed. This is just one that you know someone sent me to that they found interesting. Um, so I can do that. I don't know if I can commit to anything else beyond that. What else should I commit to? Well, I guess. <laughs> I think you need to set yourself a convention budget. Oh, when you go idea. to a con, before, like, and it can be different for each con, you can like assess it before you get there. But I think you should kind of, you know, like, ma- like, or a game number limit or a I monetary think, limit. I think, a, I think both. Or I, a space limit. Space limit. Well, sometimes I am a space limit, like especially if I'm flying someplace. So when we went on Dice Tower cruise, bring your bag. Yeah, I purposely <laughs> didn't bring, bring any. Back. Yeah, yeah, I didn't bring any significant games. So I brought like two games to Dice Tower Con because I knew we were going to come back with a bunch of games that we got for well on Dice Tower cruise because they gave us a bunch of games. Um, I think, I think I commit can commit 
to not more oh god this is gonna sound terrible but not more than 10 games at gen con maybe not more than 10 games at origins and then any other con not more than three i think that's probably still less than what i normally but i have to count expansions too yeah anything that is in its own box yeah yeah this doesn't count i won't count gaming accessories Okay. And I won't count like souvenir t shirts. Or like gifts for other people as well if you're planning on giving them to people for birthdays or Christmas or whatever. Can I give them Sydney? Does that count? No. (laughs) Just doubled your. your, Just (laughs) unlimited. You just give them all to her. But I'm. Okay. This is my fault because I asked a compound question. But what's what's your motivation to quit? Because you are saying all the right things, like you want to do it, but I'm not convinced. You have to sell it to me. Do you really even want to do this? Like, what's your motivation? You're right. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep getting things. But (laughs) I just, because your point is good, I need a motivation that makes more physical sense. And so this Uh is a rule that I had set. So when I gave away all those games, um, I'm like, okay, now I have actually a space on all the shelves. So this is what I'm going to do. And for a little while before we moved, I had like intake shelving, you know, shelves where these games are on the cusp of being taken away i'm gonna set that up and then what i'm gonna do is and this is the whole public commitment thing oh wow this is all right if i fail i'm not gonna fail at least not for we're gonna go for a month and we'll see what happens and we'll go for another month because that's what you do it one month at a time right so what i'm gonna do is i'm going to get my shelving all sorted this weekend then what i'm gonna do is take a picture of it and put it on the Tabletop Game Talk um, Twitter. And then anytime we get new games, those will go on the shelves. New games games will have to be removed from the shelf. And those games, I'm going to bring to Kitty, and Kitty's going to get rid of them. And that's what we're going to do. It sounds like a great great plan. But the only thing (laughs) is, you still dodged the question of why. And I want to know from you, from your mouth. Mostly space. Okay. So one one reason is space. Yeah. Okay. Quite honestly, space. Like the game room right now could be really really cool, but I have like six stacks of games on the floor, so right. it takes up a bunch of space. I had this problem with craft supplies for a long time, where I had a room full of craft supplies where I wouldn't do crafts because I couldn't get into the craft room to do crafts because it was so full of crafts. Ah. Uh, yeah. And you're not using what you have. You're not utilizing your space, and you yep. have to really like take a look and be like, next time I'm out. If I buy yarn, I need to know where I'm going to put that yarn. And there has to be a project that I finished that used up some yarn. And you you really got to be accountable to yourself for that. Yeah. And if you buy two rolls of red yarn, like you'll still be able to use that. I've literally bought the same game twice. And the original one hadn't been opened yet. Like I've owned two sealed copies of games, not even knowing that I bought the first one. I think that the, having just a picture of the shelf will help you then because you can look and see if you're in that situation at a game store or a convention and you're like, wow, this seems so cool. Let me double check I didn't already buy it yep. because it seems so much like something I would have bought. Yeah. And if you're on Twitter and you want to keep me honest on this, Tabletop Game, TLK, because we're one letter too short or too long too on long, the name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I will be posting, I think I'll just, maybe I'll just pick a day, like every, like the first of every month, I'll take a picture of the, of the game room with the shelves I'll put up there. And then there will be 
games that we will give away. Now, Sydney says that I can write off all the games we buy as long as it goes against what we make on the podcast. The problem is we don't make anything on the podcast. So (laughs) (laughs) you can't write down below what you make on the hobby. So if anyone's thinking, it's like, oh, well, you could write all these things off. Yeah, only a little bit. I could write off maybe a two games a month or so. I was going to say, we do have a little bit of income coming in. Yep. So if you guys want to help me with my habit, um, go to tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon and (laughs) become a patron. I was waiting for it. Also, uh, one of the things, one of the reasons I started the giveaways is to give away the games I had. Yes. And what I ended up doing was always just buying a new version of the game and then giving away the new copy versus the one that I already had. So what I might end up doing is, for any contest we're doing, actually just packaging more games in the box. Yeah. Just, so we're giving away Kingdom Death Monsters, but you could get more stuff in there if it fits. Yeah. Or you could just a big one. Yeah. <laughs> you could just give away the games that you have. I mean, I guess your your counter to that would, I'm assuming, be, oh, I want to give away the newest games. Well, I want to run. I want to give away the newest games for the contests. They're not contests; they're giveaways. Um, I want to give away the newest stuff for that because I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the giveaways actually started as a way of getting people to come to the podcast. Yeah. But then Board Game Geeks are really mad when you post about giveaways, so it actually doesn't bring anybody to the podcast. So if you're listening, you're like in a very select group of people that could win those games. <laughs> um, but if you wanted to tell all your friends that, hey, this podcast gives away free stuff. We do put stuff up on Facebook, Twitter, yeah. Instagram occasionally. Yeah. Wherever we can. Yeah. But so. All right. I'm going to give away more games. No, I like this picture thing. I like okay. that. It's way easier because I know a lot of people keep their games on Board Game Geek. They've got their game collection put in there or they have it saved as a list in their phone. But that's a lot of updating. Even just like having it in a Google spreadsheet. You have to like... Every single time you buy something, remember to put it in. Every time you get rid of something, take it out. If you leave something at a friend's house, does that count? Like, at what point has it been removed from your list? It's just theirs now. Yep. There's a lot of those at my house. Yep. (laughs) I know I did. I went through Board Game Geek and updated it, like, I don't know, six months ago. And now it's already completely out of date. It was when you got the subscription service. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. That was almost a year now. Yeah. Because I got it for for Christmas. Christmas. Yep. It's been over a year. Yep. So, yeah, that's completely out of date. I've given away a ton of those games. And it's 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 kind of real easy for those lists to get out of date. Yep. So I'm going to do this. I'm excited about this. Pictures are easy, man. I feel I feel good about this. Yeah. We've made a breakthrough. Your life is going to be better going forward. So what about you guys? Are you guys going to buy any games? I'm just going to keep taking your old games. <laughs> yeah, I'm going like. to do the same. <laughs> no, so I easy. do. I, um, I usually buy at least three games at a convention. Um, and then I don't hang out at game stores as often, but I'll pick up a game here and there when I, I usually end up there with you. So yeah, um, that's usually where I pick up my like, oh, I just like the art games. And then I don't do a lot of online because you are always in charge of like the new hotness, what's coming out. So I don't have to worry about that as much. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is, I, I, I tease that I want to be, I want to know the new hotness. And I listen to a ton of podcasts. So I know this stuff just from hearing other people talk about it. There's very little need for me to be on the new hotness unless it's so hot that people are asking me about it. Um, because we don't do game reviews, right? That's true. You know, we're not talking about the latest games. We're talking much more high-level topics than that. But 
I do feel like I need to see how the trends are going, where the market's going. And, yeah. and I love being involved in the community and I love supporting the distributor. Well, not the distributors because whatever, but the publishers, you know, like, you know, going to and seeing the same people at all these different shows, yeah. people who designed these games, like this is, they designed it and now they're at the table. They're teaching people how to play. They're selling it. Like it's an end to end thing with game designers and developers and, and publishers and, I like supporting that community, which is another reason I'll buy just about anything if I see the designers teaching me how to play the game. Yeah. So I'm just like, that's a good point. I'll, I'll give you that. That's a that's a noble thing to uh, do. Yeah. I guess it's just not getting out of hand, just not getting spiraling to the point where you're, you know, spending stupid amounts of money every year on it. Yeah. Well, it's not the money so much, right? Because I think as far as hobbies are concerned, you can spend a lot of money on different things. They could right. Anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did, I jumped out of airplanes for a couple times and I looked into like, oh, what would I need to do to get my parachuting certificate license, whatever they call it. That was a long time ago. And it was like, you know, $3,000 and, you know, 12 different things you had to jump through and certifications and stuff. Like, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of games. Yeah. And then every time you jump, it costs you another $50 to jump out of an airplane. And that's if you are already certified. So it's like, all right, that lasts for about two minutes. I don't necessarily ask yeah. Spencer how much he spent on fishing gear this year. Sure. No, I, I mean, hear you. Yeah. yeah. Hobbies are expensive. Yeah. So my point to it is it's not to justify the cost. It's just to say that as long as you're only spending your disposable income, yeah. stuff that you're not needing to pay the bills, or you're not getting kicked out of your house or something like that. Right. Um, I think you can you sort of can justify it no i I agree and i think the the kind of the value of it is definitely there it's just the point at which you end up buying two shrink wrap games not even realizing it and then never playing both like that's the point at which like okay let's bring it back a little bit you know that that's what i mean well and i also want to say that one of the biggest things that i do like can combat with my internal Mm. fights are i don't want to have a lot of stuff like right. a lot of times in books, I don't buy books anymore because I'd rather have them on Audible because it's digital and I don't have to carry it around anymore. Right. I'd rather have PDFs for my role-playing books. Um, board games are different, though. They're actual tactile things, yeah. although I love board games on my iPad. you know. So if I can get something digitally, I'll switch to it digitally. Um, but I'm very conscious of the fact that I just don't want to have a lot of stuff. Yeah. Because when you have a lot of stuff, you have to take care of a lot of stuff. And I still have like... 30 boxes in my basement, not all games, just boxes that when you move, it's like, oh, I haven't unpacked those yet. Then how important can they be, right? Right. So it's where you have to Marie Kondo, you have to pick it up. Does it bring me joy? If not, let it go. And yeah, we need to get him a copy of that book. I know we do. Yeah, all my friends are telling me I need it. I the, Was it the I art of tidying up part. or something? Uh, the Life Changing Magic of Tidying oh, Up. Oh, yeah. much better title. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I love the title. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, we did the purging episode. Yes. Yes. And you have purged. Yeah. I just, I'm going to do another purge and a cleanup and we're going to make this happen. Sweet. Whew. I don't know if this was helpful for anyone else, but darn it, it was helpful to me. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep you updated, listeners, on whether it actually was helpful for Chris in the coming months. <laughs> yes. And to change the subject, um, if you want to follow us, you know, we have a Facebook uh, page at Tabletop Game Talk Podcast. Um, our Twitter is at Tabletop Game TLK. That's where I will be posting pictures of our collection. You can follow me directly 
at Game Master Chris, which I'll also probably put pictures on there too, because why not? Um, also, I think Game Master Chris is where all of the uh, Twitter notices go and stuff. I really need to get the automatic. You have a new podcast on the table at Game Talk One, but we'll get there. Um, it's only been 70 some episodes. Right. Right. I mean, we're new. Give me some time. <laughs> Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can go to tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon. Um, that one, the biggest thing that we give you besides our undying appreciation is uh, if you're a friend of the show, we have two spaces for the top of the show. It's not the cheapest, um, but if you want to be at the top of the show, it also gives you 25 bonus entries to any of our contests. So, And we also say your name at the end of the show, and you get free entry into any of our contests, so you don't have to email me with anything. And uh, if you do email me, then you get an extra entry just like everybody else, but you don't have to. Uh, For the rest of this, I'm going to let Josh do the talking. Indeed. Well, thanks for listening. And remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions at tabletopgametalk at gmail.com. Finally, a huge thank you to all of our patrons. Emil Jill Jam, George... Adam Harrison, Sam from New York, Jason Strong, Terence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Michael Ohl, Trevor Olson, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, Daniel Shepard, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Huang, Mike Smith, Stefan. Oh, you've adopted the dark, but I was born in it. Phillips, <laughs> Caleb O'Brien, John Lewis, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, Carl Hammond, David Radke, Lance Morgan, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Swartzwell, and Jordan Livingston. Until next week, when we talk about table flippers. Keep playing games and having fun. Good night. All right, so no giving birth before you talk about your anger in games. Deal? Deal. <laughs> I totally have control over this. <laughs> yeah, you can hold it in. Yeah, just be fine. be fine. Or you'll be really upset when I bring the microphone to the hospital and it'll actually work out great. Mm. Oh, that's so killy. Okay, so this one was all about me. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm going to start with Fletcher this time. Fletcher, um, so so what do you think? What do you think about this episode? And and I, I mean, I want to know what you think about this episode <laughs> because I want to know: Did you stick with your plan? Because I'm guessing no. I, because I went. I've been to your house like way <laughs> after this was recorded, and there are still like boxes of games piled high on the floor with no home. So in my head, I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, probably not. So, in my defense, um, when you order things from Kickstarter at a rate of two to three per week, uh, you get a lot of Kickstarters that keep showing up for the next, you know, one to two years. But you said one, one a week. So, well, that right. Then I switched to one a week. So, right. which is still So, 52. what's your excuse? <laughs> <laughs> so, this is two and a half years ago. Yeah. So, what ended up happening is I did go down to one a week. Um, most of the... I think the shows after this, you, I covered one Kickstarter until we got rid of the Kickstarter segment. And then we went to our actual Kickstarter podcast. And even there, I think we were at one a week. I think this was, we weren't quite we were at the Kickstarter. We were only backing one a week, but yeah. we were talking about several. Yes. Um, and so it was, it, it was, 
I liked it because it made me think. It made me stop and think about what I really wanted, even though it was one a week. And the following year, I went to 10 for the year, uh, which actually was 20 because I didn't count expansions and I backed 10 expansions as well. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. But that's still half as many. And it's still way down from over 100 the year prior to this episode, which is just ridiculous. It is crazy. Yes. Uh, but what about your other buying habits? What about like going to the game store? What about cons? Do you still pick up as many things? Um, not necessarily. So the convention limits, I never really set for myself. Um, when I would go to conventions, I would still pick up what I wanted. But I still was a little bit, actually a lot bit more... Uh, a, a more discretion as to what I was going to buy. I didn't buy things just because it was a new thing because there's there were so many new things. So unless something actually stood out, I I was able to pass on it. Plus bringing all the games to Gen Con and then giving things away, that helped kind of say, look, I just got rid of 50 games. I don't need to buy 50 more. So yeah, it did help. And something it was- I have noticed that has really helped with your buying at cons is Keyforge. Yeah. You, at most of the cons we go to now, you're so busy playing Keyforge. We spent like three out of five days playing Keyforge at Gen Con. Yep. I want to say. Yeah, pretty much the year of So there's not as much time to just yeah, 2019 wander was randomly. All Keyforge. And I just, I, uh, the last Gen Con I went to, there, I think I went to the dealer hall maybe two hours total and picked up like two games because we were just playing Keyforge yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> So Gosh, like having see that shock face. a game, <laughs> I was very shocked. I can't believe that you're a formed man. That's crazy. <laughs> well, in 2020, I bet you're still a shopaholic in other parts of your life. No, no, no. In 2020, I haven't bought any games at conventions. Wow. So there haven't been <laughs> wow, any conventions. Amazing. Every convention has been canceled. <laughs> How did you, you went manage to, what, that? One convention this year before. <laughs> global pandemics shut them all down um there was yeah there was a couple in january and february but we didn't end up going to them so i don't think i've been to a convention in 2020 so yeah yeah saving saving lots of money now i have eh, i don't haven't checked my kickstarter thing but i have done a bit uh oh that's actually one thing i wanted to look up and i'm going to do that now because we were talking about i think i had like 160 some kickstarters backed at the time of this episode so this is, oh, what, uh, over two years, about two and a half years later. Let's see how many projects I have now. And um, 247. So that's actually not terrible. In about, what, about two and a half years, I picked up an extra 80 or so games. That's reasonable. Yeah. Where does it tell you? If you click. Oh, okay. I found it. <laughs> I think at the time we recorded this episode, I had backed zero Kickstarter games, and I'm now at 46. Nice. You're not a super backer until you you get 100. (laughs) No, I'm a super backer. Are you? Yeah, the website tells me I'm a super backer. Well, it's just trying to make you feel good about yourself. Or bad, depending (laughs) on how you spin that. Right? Actually, (laughs) I was a bit ashamed when I got that status. Well, what's funny Um, is we talked about... I don't know if I still am, because you can lose it. Um, eh, Maybe it's a rolling status. But yeah, we we talked about... I think Tiny Epic Zombies was on the radar, or I just backed it or something. Um, And then Tiny Epic Pirates was 
is something I just recently backed. So Tiny Epic comes out every year, and every year I pick it up. Um, Tiny Epic Zombies was pretty decent. Not too bad. Although we talked about Everdale, I think, in this one. And yeah. Everdale. And that, that game actually turned out to be really, really good. I never did pick up the Tokyo series of games, though. But... Yeah. Um, a super backer is somebody who has supported more than 25 Kickstarter projects in a single year. <laughs> yeah, that I don't have a problem wow. getting. <laughs> they but do it- have to be more than $10. So, yes, I, I maintain my super backer status, but barely for this year. I have not backed very many things this year. I still love Kickstarter. And actually, as you guys it's listen fun. to this, Kitty and I now have a Kickstarter segment on um, Dice Tower Now, I I think we're calling it um, Dice Tower Max. So right, that's what we were told. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we are not in charge of the podcast anymore. We just get to record a segment and and send it in. So we just get to do the fun part. Yeah, and also the part that encourages us to spend too much money. So maybe <laughs> not the fun part. Yeah, I actually kind of like the fact that if I just do the research. I don't have to buy the game anymore unless I, you know, if, if it's something that I'm like, yes, this is a game that I'm missing in my collection, I will consider it. But otherwise, just kind of like being up to date on the new fad is is enough. And I have tried chasing so much, like chasing the hot Kickstarter, what's going to be good in resale and all this stuff. And we talked about it in the episode. Like, I never resell this stuff anyway. But, you know, Cthulhu Death May Die. <laughs> That's where Spencer showed up to yell at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we've never done either. I, I have never given you games to sell. Um, but like nope. a, a game like Cthulhu Death May Die, like this is my favorite game right now. And at the time, I backed it simply because of the designer names. And I didn't think I would like it at all. And it turns out I should have backed like 15 copies of that because I would have made a fortune. But no, you Are you sure you didn't you just back it. it because of that gigantic <laughs> Cthulhu miniature? The gigantic Cthulhu miniature is selling on eBay for around five hundred dollars. It was like a hundred dollars, one hundred and twenty dollars during the Kickstarter. Ridiculous. But yeah, <laughs> but it's ah, uh, it's just so good. So I have a question for you: Has your played to unplayed game ratio changed in your collection since this episode? Yes. Um, slowly it's gone down. at first, <laughs> it's gone down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well maybe um basically it it was slow at first because i was still getting a ton of kickstarters in that i had had already paid for and backed and they were still coming in faster than i could play them um the pandemic actually is more than anything gotten me to start pulling out older games and this is actually so getting that i want a new game itch all i gotta do is go to the basement and open up a box with some shrink wrap kickstarters in it (laughs) And it satisfies the same thing. So, you know, I pulled out Mythic Battles Pantheon, you know, a few weeks ago. And I spent a week just organizing it. And then I started playing a couple games uh, against myself at first just to kind of get a feel for the game. And I, I mean, that game was still, I spent, I did an all-in on the 1.5 version of it. So I have way too many miniatures. It literally takes six boxes to store all this <laughs> stuff. But at least now I'm getting some kind of, enjoyment out of it and yeah is this one you painted did you talk about this in your painting episode or is this the one that was too much to paint so this was too much to paint but i used i eventually did use the same method i used for zombie side where i got a bunch of spray primer um from army painter because the primer you can actually paint over if you want to and the household paint that i use for zombicide not a good paint to paint over but um 
so I primed everything and color coded them based on their their character type or whatever. Uh, so it looks way way better to play, and it I didn't quote unquote ruin the miniatures because the miniatures in that game are just amazing. I will probably never go back and paint them in detail, but I have the option if too if I want to. So, <laughs> but yeah, I I, I should have saved this image. I saw a really good image on Reddit the other day. Um, where somebody had just done a black wash over, um, I think it was like an ATST from Star Wars, like one of those models. And that was all they had done. And it was like huge difference. So it really illustrated your point of like what a wash can do. Yep. Yeah. And there's like, there's a few companies that uh, they call it sun dropping, which is essentially, um, a spritz of a white primer, a white spray primer from a particular angle, which will again, like, it'll hit the tops and the highlights, but keep the recesses a dark... Is it like a dappled sunlight effect? <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of neat how that works. And I saw one person online, um, They and this was for Mythic Battles, he had spray-primed... Well, spray-painted his miniature with metallic house paint, essentially. So it was just regular, you know, off-the-shelf spray paint. And then took a gold... Um, like, almost like a gold polish... And then use that to brush mm-hmm. the highlights, and it made it look like this super cool bronze statue. And these are all like Greek mythology characters, and it just like it was an amazing effect. Um, still too long. It, like there's 200 figures in that game. I could not possibly <laughs> do that for all of them, but the effect that he did was certainly, yeah, it was like wow, that is really cool. And with no real painting skills, he's like, I can't paint anything. But I just spray painted this, and then I kind of kind of did a rub for the bronzing, and it made it look really cool. Was it like gold leaf? Yeah. Then, like it was um, some kind of like uh, just like a gold polish or something. I mean, it was definitely a paint of some sort. But anyway, because like gold leaf works like <laughs> well, that, where you just like it's like a dust. You can get it as a dust or in sheets, and you just kind of. I'm doing a lot of hand motions that are not helping our listeners. Dry Sorry, brush it on, yeah. uh, J- Josh, we're cutting <laughs> yeah. you off. What's going on? No, it's fine. I, I just wanted to... I know you very deftly moved this away from your personality foibles, Chris, but I just wanted <laughs> yeah. to shine the light back on them. I was going to um, fall asleep there Because it's funny... Yeah, I, I, it was funny listening on the episode to the, to the dynamic you and um, Sydney have, because... You know, it's similar to the one that Gloria and I have, and I'm the Sydney in our relationship in the sense that Gloria is kind of the shopaholic, and I'm like the person who wears things until they fall apart. And, uh, you know, I try and kind of needle her and be like, look, do you really need a fifth coat? And she's like, yeah, but at least I look good. You, on the other hand, you know, you could do is sprucing yourself up a bit. Um, <laughs> but like, I know that you kind of have that tension in your relationship too, right? Yeah, she's gotten better as I've gotten... A, less games, and B, um, I hide it better. So she just doesn't know how much I'm spending. <laughs> That's <laughs> terrible. She listens to this. <laughs> well, I will she say... She knows Ke- now. Ke- Hi, Sydney. Keyforge was a big deal. Like, we spent a lot of money on Keyforge, but she also loved the game, so it wasn't uh, too bad. Uh, yeah. A few things and then on it's this also- one. Yeah, go ahead. No, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, um, basically, it's kind of like I remember hearing on a different podcast, I think it was This American Life, that like it, 
these things like decide like it kind of bleeds into decisiveness i feel because you are someone who is an extremely decisive person and it's almost the opposite of ap and i feel like that's some of where your kind of shopaholic tendencies come from because you're just like making decision after decision after decision and you move fast and you break things and you're just like yeah cool i'm gonna get this i'm gonna get this i'm gonna get this um and i'm just not that way inclined so it's just funny and fascinating to see a completely opposite personality to me. i have set a new rule for myself that i didn't mention on this this episode which is eventually I had to say no more buying things after 10 p.m. Because (laughs) I would be staying up late at night and everything seems like a good idea when you're in the middle of the night. It's like, that's why they air infomercials in the middle of the night. So I made a rule for us that I could add it to the cart, but I can't pull the trigger. Especially once you've had a few adult beverages. (laughs) I'm just saying. um, Yeah, so (laughs) there is now a rule. No more buying things after 10 p.m. Uh, let's see, some bookkeeping stuff in this one. It's a good rule. Steven Seitz is still a patron. He said he he would be, and he still is. Uh, we did end up changing the intro. Uh, I don't know if it was the very next episode, or I'd have to double check, but we did end up changing the intro. Um, let's see. I did end up selling the magic cards. I made about $5,000 off of a stack of, uh, 32 magic cards. So, that was, that was a decent investment. Um, <laughs> it was Gen Con, not Origins, that I gave the games away. We've- I know, I was wrong. <laughs> I, I, I was listening to myself, like, where, why? <laughs> um, and single player modes, we were talking about them like they were a new thing back then, and now, like, every single game has a single player mode. Everything has a solo mode. Uh, let's see... It's I, almost like having miniatures. You can't have a Kickstarter if it doesn't have a solo mode and 800 miniatures. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, and I still have the 30 boxes in the basement that I haven't unpacked. Didn't you have like some sort of sticker system? Did that ever work out? Um, the sticker system was there for a while. I haven't kept up on it, but mostly like all of the red stickers that I had in there, I think there's maybe like three or four that are still left. Now, that's not to say that there's only three or four games I haven't played. New games haven't gotten stickers on them. But um, if I were to do an inventory... Oh, and that's another thing I did never did was like take pictures on a monthly basis and post that. But if I were to take an inventory, I would say um, maybe... 10 to 20% of the games are still unplayed, but that's still way better than which I was probably closer to 50% last time. I thought you were over for 50% unplayed last time. It's, it is entirely possible. It was a lot. Definitely a yeah. lot. Um, and the other thing too is I still don't have the uh, Tabletop Game Talk Twitter handle. Still doesn't show when we post new episodes. Nice. So... <laughs> Episode 201, they say some of these things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, all right. Well, Josh, you know what I'm going to say. Oh, no. I have to pull the tab up. I'm going to fluff a bunch of names. (laughs) I mean, I'm probably going to scroll past as I need computers being slow. Um, You know, you just love torturing me. I mean, really, that's what this is, isn't it? It, I mean, welcome back. Carter. (sighs) There's so much. There's so much stuff here. What? I feel like I'm just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling forever. 13, 14 pages. This was back... Our show notes used to be so long. Yeah, this was back when we had all the questions on there. You're looking for page eight. Oh, okay. This is why. (laughs) Wow. 
I'm, I tell you what, listeners, next, next week, I'm going to be so much more prepared, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> but we're on page eight now. Uh, okay, so, thankfully, finally, uh, a big thank you to all of our patrons. Adam Harrison, The Gift of Games, Jason Strong, Terence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Rudy Lou, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Huang, Caleb O'Brien, Jendover, Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quichstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Schwarzwell, Anne Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Faz Flintham, Sean Peck, Eric Salander, Mike Smith, Joe Hoover, Glenn Cotter, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verhulst. <laughs> Bet I'm getting that wrong still. Christopher Letko, John Lewis, Joe Rackstead, Ron Nelson, Sahara Wentworth, Weatherman Keith, Nicholas Lott, Agnes Toth, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Matthew Droke, Aaron Moore, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, David Rank, Sam Lacey Brown, and Christopher Comstock. All right. Say <sighs> Jerry Wong like wrong. Jerry Wong. Wong. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs>